Well, there's a saying that is a part of a larger poem that uh, many of you may be familiar with. It may be something that you've heard read before or whatever. And I, I'm going to ask um, uh, Adam to put it up on the screen for us this morning. It's that first quote I have. And um, I, I would like you with me to, to read this out loud, if you would, okay? So with me, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. How many of you have heard of that before? Yeah. Anybody know what it's called? Serenity Prayer. Yeah. Duh. Yeah, it's the Serenity Prayer. Okay, anybody know who wrote it? Smarties. Hey, we got a first name. Reinhold. Yeah, there's like 30 pronunciations of the last name. It's something like Niebuhr, Okay. Um, he was an American theologian, and he wrote a longer prayer that, um, where this is the most popularized version of this prayer. It's actually a really good prayer if you've never prayed it before. But it interests me, and it caught my attention as I was working on the sermon this week, because there are some things that Reinhold recognizes in these, even just these words in this prayer. He recognizes that to live life well, there are some things that are required of us. To live life well and to live um, in, in a way that we believe God's created us to live, there are some qualities that are important for us to nurture and to have. One of those, and we catch this in the first, is this accepting the things that we cannot change. That involves patience, doesn't it? In fact, most of us, we, when we get impatient, it's because something's not going the way that we wanted it to. And that may be very pure. It may be a very good thing about it. But patience is a quality that we must nurture. And in the second part of that phrase is this idea of courage. I mean, I don't know about you, but perhaps, and I would imagine for you, is there's times when there is something that you know you can do, but it just takes everything you have to take that step because you're afraid of what people might say. You're afraid that maybe it's the wrong move, and it requires a step of faith. It requires courage. But then there's this whole idea that this uh, these couple of phrases uh, surround, and that's the idea of awareness. Knowing which is which. Which are the things that we can't change? And which are the things that we can? And, and how do we act upon it? You see, he recognized these traits in light of making sound judgments, discerning, and also doing it in light of not just ourselves, but in light of the world, in light of God's standards. Patience, courage, awareness, they don't just come because you go get a degree from an institution. They don't just come because somebody has taught you something. They come when we take what we know and what we are learning and we apply it and we practice it. We exercise knowledge. It's wisdom. It's wisdom and, and it's something that we all need. I mean, the prayer that we prayed this morning this world is a mess. It's chaotic. There's so many things going on and it seems to be more and more at a rapid pace where we just sit back and we, we shake our heads. And then we look at, at things like the media who, who do nothing but live, in my perspective, live in fear about stirring up and, and, and causing anxiety and trying to find answers to things that we don't have answers to. And so it's easy to get bitter, isn't it? It's easy for us as Christians even to step back and say, well, if you just knew God, you guys would have this figured out. 
well, there's some truth in that. There's not a whole lot of mercy and love and compassion in that. But it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts because we don't understand. And it feels like this, this snowball building and growing and rolling downhill set for destruction. And we want to stop it and we don't know what to do. You see, we're going to look today in the life of a man named King Solomon. If you want to go ahead and move your way to 1 Kings, we're going to look at his life. This was a man who is, whose name is very synonymous with wisdom. But the importance of wisdom in his time very much was around making good decisions that aligned with God, that were moral and ethical and honored God. You know what, church? It's no different for us today. It's the same thing. The, some of the circumstances are different, but the same need for wisdom. In the world of chaos and confusion we live, and in sometimes some of the personal chaos and confusion that we live, we need the wisdom of God. I don't know that there's many of you that would stand up today and say, well, I don't agree with that, Dan. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be here. But maybe you question it once in a while. God, do you really have a handle on things like you say you do? Are you really sovereign? We need God more than ever. The context of this story of the Israelite kingdom just walking out of the kingdom of David as king. David came at a time, David, with, after a, he had a heart after, after God, and he walked with God. And what he did is he brought an Israelite kingdom that had just been so so distinguishedly running from God, brought them back together for a period. He wasn't a perfect man, we know that, but he sought God. He repented when he sinned. And so Solomon, I mean, talk about big shoes to fill. Yeah, it's his dad, but he had so many expectations. David even prays a prayer of blessing over him, I believe in chapter 2 of 1 Kings. But he begins this reign with all of this pressure. And if you didn't know it, David is likely around 20 years old right now. Now, no offense to you 20-year-olds, but I tell you, when I was 20, whoo, goodness, I thought I knew it all. I did not. And so what we encounter here in this chapter 3 of 1 Kings is David's choice to go and worship. Now, it wasn't likely his first time, and it wasn't his last rodeo either. But this time, he made a very specific attempt. And it happened to be in a season early on where God chose to meet him. Look with me in verse, or chapter 3, verse 4. The king, that is King Solomon, went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. That's a lot, by the way. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Let's recognize one thing here real briefly is that God was worshiping. When we worship God, God meets us. He does it in different ways in different times and, and displays that differently. But God will meet us when we worship him. In this particular case, he met Solomon and appeared to him. Verse 6, Solomon answered, 
You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You, God, have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son, referring to himself, to sit on his throne this very day. Verse 7, Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. And here it is. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? He lays it out. God asks, and so he lays it out. I want us to look at a couple of things that I think Solomon captures here, which led to not only God bestowing wisdom upon him, but how wisdom was nurtured in his life. There's no doubt that we need wisdom. But how do we go about nurturing that in our lives? How do we develop that? Do we just open the Bible and read it? Do we just come to worship? Do, do we just ask somebody? Do we just pray? I think you'll find that all of these things are valid and all of those things are necessary. But it starts with something different. It starts with what we see in verse 7. We see underlying what's going on here. In verse 7, Solomon sees himself in a particular way. Verse 7, he refers to himself how? A little child. How else does he refer to himself? Servant. Rewind. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about Samuel. And Samuel, in his, um, his prayer to God, what he says as God calls upon him, he says, speak for your servant is listening. Same sense here. Church, we have to understand our position with God. We will never get any further in our belief with God if we first don't understand that He is God and we are not. That He is the King and we are His servants. It may sound foolish in the eyes of this world to say we're a servant of God, particularly in light of how we hear that term abused in this world today. But we must see ourselves, if we want to be people who gain wisdom, we must start with a healthy fear of God. That's where wisdom starts. It begins with a healthy fear of God. And much of that is our identity. I think there's a crisis in the American church. And I think the crisis has to do with identity. I think we as the American church, in a lot of ways, have confused what a Christian, what a Christ follower is to be. Now, we get it right in some ways, but I think a lot of it goes back to the fact that we struggle to identify ourselves as God's servant. My challenge to us is, is to think about how we walk, how we live, and how we understand His divinity. Because it starts with the fact of, of understanding and knowing, do we have a fear of God? If you fear God, you believe in Him. This world's full of people who don't fear God. They don't believe in Him. We see this kind of expanded upon in the book of Proverbs. If, if you have your Bibles, flip over to Proverbs 1 real quick. Anybody know who wrote Proverbs? Most of it? Solomon. 
the book of Proverbs, not only in this point in history, but throughout Solomon's reign, he just pours out wisdom. It's known as wisdom literature. Also add in Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. What he has done is he's sharing the wisdom that he is getting from God. Just as an aside, some people, many of you may have practiced this, you want, you want to work through Proverbs, take one a day. It's a great, it's a great way to kind of work through them. I know, I've known people who have the entire year long, one Proverbs a day. Verse 7 says this in Proverbs. This will be on the screen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord. There's often misunderstanding about this. So I'm supposed to be so scared of God, I'm supposed to, to tower down and just kind of hide from Him? No. It's a healthy fear. It's a fear that allows us and leads us to do things like respect God, to believe God. There's a term that a lot of older generations use, and it's not used a lot in today's generations, even my generation, and I, and I wish we'd bring it back, so there, there's some homework for you. It's the word reverence. Reverence. Now, you can have reverence for God anywhere, but it's this idea that you have a respect and a belief and an understanding that you're willing to submit your life to Him. You're willing and want to know Him. You see, people that have a healthy fear of God, they know God. They seek to know God. It's not that they, they think that they can't get to God, because we know that Jesus Christ took care of that for us. But the fear of God, one writer said, is the beginning of wisdom in the same way in which a foundation is the beginning of a house. You would never, ever, no matter how um, architecturally or construction-oriented you are, you know that you would never, ever build any kind of structure, especially a house, without a foundation. It's foolish. That's what it means to understand the wisdom of God. And to get the wisdom of God is that it starts with God. It starts with the fear of Him and recognizing that your belief in Him is what helps you become wise. There are a lot of false understandings of wisdom. There are a lot, there is tons of earthly wisdom. But without God, it's nonsense. None of it's worth anything. And the reason is, is because we must believe in God. There's no other clearer way to say it. We must believe in God if we want the wisdom of God. And this is why. Because Solomon understand, and he did, what he did is he sought God as the source of wisdom. We must understand that we must seek God as the source of wisdom. All other wisdom is superfluous. All other wisdom, that's a big word, wow. That's kind of cool, wasn't it? Uh, uh, wasn't even in my notes. Um, and it, it is so important for us to recognize that all true wisdom comes from God. Any ability by any human to be wise comes from God. And if it doesn't, then it's just an earthly wisdom, which is temporary. And we are but a blip. We are but a, a flicker in the light of history and eternity. And if we think for one moment that we can muster any of that up on our own without God, it's foolishness. Now, this church does not mean that we walk around thinking we're worthless and we're worth nothing. No, we were created by God. We are worth something. 
And as followers, those who've committed to him, we are children of God. We have much worth. But we still have to recognize that we're his servants. We still have to recognize that God is the source of it. Scripture says in Job 28, Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds in the sky. A verse or two later it says, God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. Wisdom, power, and achievement, they don't come from us. They come from God. question is, is do you acknowledge that? Is that something you recognize and you acknowledge to others? It is a quiet, private thank you once in a while, or is it this adoration and worship of praise ever being on your lips, saying, whatever wisdom I have, it comes from God. You see, Solomon understood something. Verse 9 in this question, give your servant a discerning heart. He also understood there was a difference between human wisdom and divine wisdom. Solomon needed wisdom. He needed God's wisdom. Here's a 20-year-old charged to lead this kingdom of thousands, of hundreds of thousands of people. That scares all of us, no matter what age we are at. His dad was gone, his mentor, his leader. And so now he was faced with this incredible challenge. You ever feel like Solomon? You ever feel like the challenge before you is just insurpassable? It's impossible. He needed the biblical wisdom, the godly wisdom that only came from God. He didn't need a buddy coming up and say, well, i got a plan for you. He needed wisdom that was practical. That's biblical wisdom. In other words, there's common sense and the ability to cope with just the daily stuff. We don't need a lofty wisdom, and sometimes this is misunderstanding of God, is that he's just about this stuff up here. No. Why, why do we think we send his, Jesus Christ, his son, to be down here with us in the common daily problems of life? We need God's wisdom, which is wisdom. Solomon needed wisdom that was intellectual. He needed understanding and perspective. We do too. There are things that our minds just can't comprehend, much of like what's been going on. But one very distinct thing about godly wisdom is that it's moral, it's ethical. There are a lot of uh, promoted wisdoms in this world, but they're not ethical and they're not moral, and they don't care about God. God isn't the source. And then there's those mysteries of life. Those ambiguities, like a man jumping in a large van and driving into a crowd of people, killing a hundred or more of them. Or a man who grabs a gun and decides to shoot those who are supposed to protect. Or a man walking into a nightclub and opening fire. You see, those things don't make sense. And it, it, it amazes me how easy it is for all of us to get caught up in, in this anxiety and fear as people try to figure it out, all the while not looking to God. God has answers to every one of those, but you know what? Some of the times He doesn't give us the answers because we're not ready for them. We can't handle them. But what He wants more than anything for us is to say, let me be God You stop trying to be God. You let me be God, and you lean on me, and I'll give you the wisdom you need. He saw the difference. 1 Corinthians 1.25 is on the screen. 
This helps us understand why this is so hard in this world. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. God is wisdom. Jesus is wisdom personified. We shouldn't go anywhere else. I know that's what you want to do. I know that's your hearts. I want to follow God. The next time you're facing a decision, no matter how big or how little, then you seek the wisdom of God. Ask God for wisdom. The other day in staff meeting, we typically do some devotional stuff, and I was just sharing a little bit about the message, and, and so uh, the staff who was present, we were just talking about how we, you know, do we pray for wisdom, and, and do we find ourselves that doing that more often or whatever? I tell you, I pray for wisdom more than I ever have, and you know what? I've got a doctorate degree, I've got a master's degree, I've got a bachelor's degree, And I am more in need of God's wisdom than I think before I had any of those. Maybe it's because I was 20 and I thought I knew it all. I don't know. The point is, is I want us, we all need to be desperate for the wisdom of God. We will not find it anywhere else. You see, in verse 9, in this question, Solomon asked for a discerning heart. And the Hebrew here literally means a hearing heart. Now, what's interesting about the Hebrew here is is to listen, to have a listening heart comes from the same root word as having an obedient heart. So in other words, like Samuel, like Solomon here, what he's saying is that I'm going to listen because I'm going to obey. This is not, and this is a part of how we believe God and trust in God's character of wisdom is that we don't go to God like a genie in a bottle, and we shouldn't say, okay, give me, some, give me some insight on this, God. And then you step back, and then you say, hmm, now he said this, Dr. Phil said this, and my best friend said this. And that's hard. It's hard because the voices that come to us often are everybody but God's because we're running every which way, and we don't stop to hear him. But we got to stop. And we got to recognize the character of God, the the attribute and quality of God is wisdom. And that when we say, God, we're going to listen, we are saying, God, we're also going to obey. We're not going to play it over and decide whether it's worth obeying. We are going to obey. That's what Solomon did. Because otherwise, another big concept in Proverbs is this idea of a fool. I don't know that anybody right now, if I said, okay, anybody want to be a fool? None of us are going to raise our hands. You don't want to be a fool. In fact, we live our lives in fear at times because we don't want to look foolish. God offers His wisdom. It's right here. We've got to take it. We've got to trust in His character and act on it. But I think what's interesting is that a lot of times we want to do that and we miss what Solomon catches next. He believes God grants wisdom to those who ask. He believes that. You know why he believes that? Because he has a covenant relationship with God. Verses 6 through 9 talk about David acknowledges how God's kindness extended upon David and that Solomon says, I know I'm the recipient of that. I know that I am standing here as the king of Israel because my dad's strong relationship with you and now my attempt to be in relationship with you. 
Hebrew word for steadfast love. We talked about it back in the the book of Ruth. Anybody remember what it was? Had to clear your throats. Do you remember that? Hesed. Hesed. Remember? Hesed is that steadfast love. That's the word used right here. And what Solomon is saying to God is that, God, I realize that if I want to grow in wisdom and in stature, what I have to do is I cannot just go to you like a genie in a bottle and say, give me what I need, and then I walk and do what I want. What you want from me, what you wanted from my father David, what you wanted from the Israelites, what you want from every follower of you is a covenant relationship. Wisdom will not come without a covenant relationship. You cannot continue to go to God and just ask Him to solve your problems without being in relationship. That's what God wants. He wants to give you every bit of His wisdom. But if you have no interest, if we have no interest in following God and walking with God, we're going to miss it. There's a movie out quite a few years ago. And it's a movie of a man who was learning to become a doctor, but he had some very um, unorthodox ways. And this man, who was Patch, eventually was was, um, put in a psychiatric home or ward, rather unjustly, but trying to figure out and find himself and understand how he can practice medicine in a rather unorthodox way, but still do what he believed he was called to do. He meets a man named Arthur. And Arthur was a strange being. People couldn't figure him out. Arthur walked around this psychiatric home, and he would say, how many fingers? And people would say, four, crazy old kook. And he'd just, ugh, he'd get frustrated, and he'd walk away. And then you'd see him again, how many fingers? Four. And so one night, Patch couldn't stand any longer. And so he wandered into his room to find out the meaning of how many fingers. Take a look at this. May I come in? If you bend your medial and collateral ligaments, place one talus in front of another, I don't see where you'd have a problem. (laughs) Of course, if there were a news story covering this event, The headline might read, Small Brain Enters Room. Fingers. What's the answer? Oh, you're another one of those bright young fellows who always know the right answer. Welcome to real life. Focus on the problem. Look at me. How many do you see? Look beyond the fingers. How many do you see? 
Eight. 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 Yes, yes. Eight's a good answer. See what no one else sees. See what everyone else chooses not to see. Out of fear, conformity, laziness. See the whole world anew each day. Well, the truth is you're well on the way. You didn't see something here besides a crazy, bitter old man. He wouldn't have come in the first place. Never focus on the problem. Focus on me. I love picturing Arthur as our father in heaven. Who says, stop focusing on the problem. Stop focusing on the chaos around you and look at me. You see, we, we spend our lives looking at this, looking at all around us. And I do not want to make light of the difficulties that I know many of you are walking through. But God knows every part of what you're walking through. And God wants to walk with you. God wants to lead you through. God wants to give you the wisdom if you simply focus on Him. See what everyone chooses not to see out of fear, conformity, laziness. See the whole world anew each day. That's that covenant relationship that God offers. How meaningless would it be if God was just giving us wisdom, but yet didn't have the relationship? What we see in James 1.5 is we see the heart of our Father it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. We live in a world today that think God is against them, that think God hates them, that they think God is out to get them. Church, we have a responsibility to help people understand as we model what it means to walk with God, not with an arrogant wisdom where we go around and talk about how much we know because our God told us. No, because He never, ever will tell you, give you anything without the overall purpose for it is to build His kingdom. He loves you, but He loves everybody else too. And so when we go to God, the heart of God just overwhelms us and helps us understand it's not a genie in a bottle, it's a relationship. Which is the last thing that I believe Solomon saw. He saw, while it had not been realized yet, there was a wisdom from God that we now know on this side of the cross. And it, was that, it is that the power and wisdom of God is demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It's on the screen. Jesus Christ is the power and wisdom of God. It is because of Him, that is God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is, our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. You see, we can talk about covenant relationship and what that looks like in the New Testament, but we, or Old Testament, but we cannot talk about covenant relationship with God without talking about Jesus Christ because Jesus is the way. He is the truth and He is the life. And you say, well, how is He wisdom for us? He's wisdom because He teaches us. He instills in us righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. It's all the rest is extra, and it's some really good stuff, but it's holiness, righteousness, and redemption. And we cannot understand that without 
the cross. We cannot understand that without Jesus Christ. That's why he's our wisdom. Because we can't know God without Jesus Christ. We can know about him, but we can't know him personally. And what I love about this is that the gift of that to us in our salvation is the Holy Spirit. And and the Holy Spirit, he equips us. And that wisdom takes on a whole new shape, church. Paul says in Ephesians 3.10, his intent was that now, through the church, that's you, and you and you, that through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. We know Jesus Christ and we have a responsibility. Our responsibility is that same wisdom that Solomon talked about. We are the ambassadors. We are the people that are not going to answer all the questions for everybody, but making sense of this junk in this world right now, we, the church, every one of you, not just elders, not just pastors, every one of us who have committed to Christ, we are to make known the manifold wisdom of God. And so when you go to your neighbor who is a shut-in and you take them something to eat, or you just go visit them because people who have to stay home all the time, they're lonely. And you decide that I'm going to put something aside or I'm not going to attend one more of this or one more of that. I'm going to go and I'm going to extend the manifold wisdom of God by loving this person. Or you choose to do a second Saturday or you choose to invite somebody to worship. You see, that's our role. Every one of you have a part of it. And what I love about it is you have a role that I can't play because you are you and I am me. I have a role. But that's the wisdom and power of God. You see, God is not going to give us a relationship and give us wisdom without us using it. Yeah, using it to further his kingdom. I know that's overwhelming. I know you're thinking, I can't do one more thing. Wisdom is such a treasure. I want us to look at this last warning from Proverbs. Proverbs 4, verses 6 through 9. I can't do this for you. It's yours to do. I have the choices that I have to make. But I'll tell you what I want to see this in this church and I want to see us do. Do not forsake wisdom, Solomon says. She will protect you. Man, do we need protection right now. Love her, and she will watch over you. You ever feel like you're all alone and nobody's with you? Not the case here. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her. She will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. That's salvation. That's wisdom from Jesus Christ. And that's an ability to walk through this life. What I love is that when I see people who love Jesus, I see that they have so much to offer. Sadly, there's times when I don't think they're giving it away. I see that in some of you. I want to see that in all of us. Is that we understand that the manifold wisdom of God, no matter how non-smart or intelligent you think you are, is that God wants and has an ability to use you. I told a lot of the senior adults in the first service, for those of you here in the second service, I've said before and I want to continue to say, 
You may not be as physically able as you used to be. You may not be as mentally sharp as you want to be. And you may forget some things from time to time. You have a wisdom. Share it. There are people in this room and in this church who are desperately needing that human transfer of the wisdom of God. They need somebody to speak that into their lives. Do it. We're going to cheer you all the way. Wisdom, it's a treasure. We can't miss it. Believe in who God is. Trust in his character. Walk in that relationship and look to Jesus Christ as the power and wisdom of God and then share it. Let's pray. Father, as we worship you, as we sing this song about you being enough, I pray that reflects in our heart and our lives. God, I know that there's some hurt in this room. I know that there is there's just some really difficult situations that people are walking through. God, I would ask that you would give them a heart for your wisdom. God, I know you'll grant it. Help them to walk with you through it. Let's stand and worship in the name of Jesus Christ.